This is Ira from Ira Sports, and we're talking to Brad Belucian, uh, author of The Wax Pack. Uh, Brad, thanks a lot for coming on Ira Sports. Well, thanks for having me, Ira. So today, I think yesterday we found out the LeBron James uh, basketball card just sold for $1.8 million. So instead of writing this book about baseball cards and tracking down all these players, you should have been tracking that LeBron James uh, basketball card down. <laughs> Yeah, well, the cards that I tracked down are worth about three cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, you, you came up with this idea for a book, and you went up to a pack of, of 1986 Topps baseball cards. And, and like you, I collected cards. I loved baseball cards. And I used to have to go you know, try to get my whole set. And there was a guy named Carl Sassano, and his dad owned a candy store. Not a candy, actually a candy distributor. And he could get the entire set all the time. And it took me like the whole season to get an entire set, and he'd have it on the first day. So I was always jealous. But you, like me, you buy like one pack at a time. But your idea was to take one pack and then back in 86 and then follow, try out where these players are and talk to them. Yep, that was it. That was a very simple concept, kind of where are they now, these guys from 30 years ago who, who I collected when I was a little kid. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting. So you had, there were 14 cards in the deck. You could not interview four of them, and one person died. And so, But it's still, I loved your stories about trying to find the people that you had tried to interview, But and you, had to, and you just drove. I mean, your book is more than just talking about interviewing these people, but it's actually your whole course of trying to find these players and the background you gave into them. And not being a sports writer yourself, uh, I thought gave you a different perspective than, than just a sports book. Yeah, no, I know. I always had a very um, sort of ambitious vision for the book. I mean, you could write a lot of different types of books using the conceit of a single pack of cards. And for me, it was, you know, it started out with this very simple question of, you know, what happens to these players when they're in their mid-30s and they can never do the one thing they've spent their whole lives thinking about, you know, what do you do with the rest of your life and, and where are they now? Um, but it, it became a lot more. It was, um, you know, as I met, went around the country, I drove 11,341 <laughs> miles over seven weeks to find all these guys. And I made it clear when I would meet them that I was much more interested in kind of who they are as people and their relationships, the people in their lives, than I was in, you know, reliving their home runs or their baseball heroics. And I think that that focus coupled with, as you said, the fact that I'm not uh, a traditional sports writer gave or provided material that that was that's new and refreshing and different and makes this book really not a baseball book. But, um, you know, I describe it as it's every bit as much a travel book and a self-help book as it is a baseball book, because there's a lot of advice in there about, you know, how to live your life, how to manage anxiety and fear. And uh, I think, you know, people can get a lot out of that. And I loved how you, when you went and talked to the players and their families and, and their friends, so you sort of got that sense. And a lot of these players, people will know, and someone like uh, Gary Templeton is, is someone you've spent some time talking to, Steve Yeager from the, the Dodgers. But it was also that these players, it, it, it wasn't like they knew from, I mean, a few of the players they knew from the moment they, you know, they were going to be the star baseball player. But it was out of nowhere. And when Lee Mazzilli found out that he was drafted by the, you know, he, how excited he was and how he ran by the Mets and he got pumped and excited. But it was all those things about when they were younger growing up and, and what molded them to actually become this major league player that they would someday have a baseball card. Yeah, you know, people ask me a lot, like, if you did this book 30 years from now based on today's players, how would it be different? And I think it would be a lot different. Because I think today's athletes, even the guys that are, you know, the more marginal players, still make incredible money and have just a lot more of a support system and just 
a lot more protected in a lot of ways. And you know, this generation of ball players who who came came up in the seventies and eighties, I think is that it's that last generation of sort of pre-internet, um, you know, pre-smartphone culture and life. And 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 a lot of these guys, you know, came for, came up playing three different sports and they weren't necessarily just focused on baseball. And so there's a sort of, um, you know, innocence and kind of a naivete of that generation that I think is gone, that is captured in telling their stories of how they, how they got to become major leaguers. Yeah. And then, and you talk about in terms of how they're different in terms of like, you were excited to see Steve Yeager from the Dodgers. You knew he was a, this partier and the, and you were ready to have excitement. And he's like, I'm 66 years old. I really don't do anything anymore. And Rich Havner, the same yeah, not, thing. Not, right. Not only that, but uh, you know, here I just reading about him when he was playing, he's sort of this playboy type. And so I'm thinking, Oh, we're going to go out and go to a bar in Hollywood or something. And he's like, I haven't had, a, haven't had a drop of alcohol in 27 years. So some of these things, I, mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know when I met up with Randy Reddy that he was in the middle of a divorce. I mean, there were some of these things that that I had no way of knowing ahead of time that these guys confided in me that just talk, you know, spoke a lot about the adjustments that they've made in their lives uh, since their baseball careers are, are over. And you did. You spent some... He spent interesting times with them. Like some people, you had just a lunch with them and a meeting like that. Some you met in a dugout, but also like with Don Carmen, you were went to the zoo. I thought the stories about the giraffes was hilarious. And then you spent July Fourth with <laughs> one of the players, and then you were with Randy Reddy. You're bowling and you're lifting weights with them. So I thought that was really good how you were able to get those those people. They, some of these players really bonded with you and just told you everything. Yeah, I was really you know impressed and flattered by the sort of intimacy that they were willing to grant me. Considering again, I'm just a, a stranger, um, and you know, I didn't I didn't get to spend long periods with anybody. But even in the shorter periods, you know, like getting to do those things you mentioned, you know, Don Carmen, who was my favorite player as a kid, getting to go to the zoo and then going to his house and, and seeing his his office and. Um, playing catch with him and, uh, you know, Randy Reddy, as you said, going bowling and going to the gym. I mean, not only is that just more fun, but it's also, I think for the reader, a more, it makes for a more compelling experience because you get to see all these different environments. And as a writer, I'm describing, you know, the setting that we're in. And it, that's a lot more entertaining and interesting than if I just, every guy was like, um, I'm sitting having a cup of coffee, you know, that would just would get kind of repetitive after a while. <laughs> and then going to the hometowns like Lowell, Arkansas and Norwood, Massachusetts, and then talking, I loved how you just went up to people and you were with your dad too. He goes, do you know who Lee Mazzilli is? Or like you went up to people and just started, and you know, tell me about this. What do you know about this person? And I thought it was interesting how these people came from these small towns and just made an impression like, oh, everybody knows who they are. I mean, a Brit Sutcliffe said that I've signed an autograph for every single person in the town. They don't need to ask for me any autographs. Yeah, and that's where I think, again, back to this book being more than just baseball. The, the tra- I mean, I had my first job out of college was working for a travel magazine called Islands. And I, I realize now, looking back, that you know that experience almost 20 years ago really helped me in this book because, to me, uh, it, you can learn a lot about a person by going to the place where they where they come from and and writing about that environment and that place and you know to me it was it, writing trying to capture the essence of, a, of one of these players in a fairly short amount of space 
I wanted to do everything I could, including, you know, not just talking to them, but talking or visiting the physical environment in which they grew up and talking to people who were from that place. Yeah, then it was, we're talking to Brad Belugian, author of The Wax Pack. It's a very hot book out there in terms of baseball. People love it. It's an easy read. Totally recommend if someone, if you're not even a baseball fan, you're going to love this book. It's a tremendous book. But you were interviewing, um, you, I think one of the concepts of the book was the players, you were asking questions like, when did you know it was time to give it up? When did you know it was time to retire? A lot of times it wasn't a choice, but you talked about how Carlton Fist, they kept telling him they want to retire and he didn't want to. But it was like that whole, they loved the game so much, they just didn't want to give it up and they didn't want to retire. Yeah, to a man, uh, I think everybody, well, maybe the exception is Jaime Kokenauer, but he's sort of an interesting anomaly. You know, you always look at the outliers to, to tell an interesting story, and pretty much all these guys struggled with life immediately after retiring and, you know, had a really hard time, as Randy Reddy said, you know, getting, getting the player out of their system. Um, Kokenauer, who was the least successful baseball player, um, you know, he had the easiest transition probably because he was the least successful baseball player. But, you know, in a way, he kind of gets the last laugh because he's probably the most content and well-adjusted after baseball. Um, so, you know, I think one of, the things you, one, uh, one of the things you think about when you read this book is, you know, would I rather be Carlton Fisk and be this Hall of Fame player but maybe have this very kind of bittersweet epilogue? Or would I rather be Jaime Kokenauer, who who no one really knows, but has had this really fulfilling life um, after baseball. So it's not as simple. I think we all, you know, we all tend to think, oh, you know, we, we kind of worship the big stars and we think they have the greatest lives. But I think this book challenges that that idea. And then it's interesting about how so many of these players – stay in coaching. Like you talk about Rich Hebner, who played 16 years in baseball and then now has been coaching for, what, another 30 years, it seems like, and how they just, and they're coaching in the minor leagues and riding these buses. And it's just, when I look at some of these players, like I see, like, uh, when I saw some of these NBA players, I just can't believe, like, you earned, I know they earned, like, $150, $200 million, and they're, like, an assistant coach, and they're riding the bench, like, but for this, it's even different. I mean, these people have money, they have some sort of, but they're still in coaching. You know, they did that. You think their grind is over, but they're back there coaching baseball year after year. Yeah, because it's not about, ultimately, it's not about money. You know, I think what, what draws these guys in is the camaraderie of the game. You know, that, that kind of rises as the single most memorable thing about their careers is the camaraderie with the other players. I mean, Rance Mullenix said, if you could give me a choice between going back in time and going four for four or just getting a chance to sit on the bench and hang out with, you know, Willie Upshaw and Jesse Barfield and those guys, he would take the ladder, you know, every time. And so I think the guys hang on because of that camaraderie and in some cases because of their egos. You know, I think ego is also a, a big, a big part of all this. One aspect of your book was we talk about baseball and the relationship between fathers and sons. And it wasn't, you know, the, 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 concept, the perception is that it's this, all the fathers out there throwing balls with the son develops him to be a great baseball player. But you found in this book from your people you're interviewing, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, uh, it's sort of, you know, turns the the steal the dreams climax on its head a little bit because a lot of these players in the past, it wasn't that their dads were playing catch with them. It's that their dads were, you know, just really either abandoning them or abusing them or, I mean, really dark things. And I think that that, um, you know, that's a bit of, of reality 
uh, of what some of these guys had to deal with, but also it's nice to see that they did not repeat the same mistakes with their kids. So, you know, getting to see Steve Yeager talk, or getting to meet Steve Yeager's son and, and talk to both of them at the same time and seeing how close they are and getting to hear Don Carmen talk about how much he, he just absolutely adores and, and loves his son and how special he is, um, you know, all, all three of his sons. You know, it's it, it was a nice... Nice, nice uh, closure to see that. So anyway, we're talking to Brad Bellucci, an author of The Wax Pack. It's available in all stores. Brad, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Thank you. And yeah, people can go to waxpackbook.com and, and learn more and check it out. And uh, thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you.